Greenlight is the debit card and app for kids and teens. Now with investing. Investing is key to building long-term wealth. And with Greenlight, your kids can learn to invest at any age. They research stocks to buy, invest as little as $1, and you approve every trade. Track progress over time and learn about the world of investing together. Ready to invest in your kids' futures? Visit greenlightcard.com today for your free month trial. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, D-Gen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Travelers Championship. Of course, we are sponsored by Draft.com. Uh, go ahead and uh, join Draft right now using promo code DGEN and get a free $3 ticket for attorney of your choice after you make a deposit, a minimum deposit of $10. If you crush your season-long NFL league with a snake draft, this site is for you. They have great golf options, tournaments, with snake drafts and, you know, a no salary cap. And, of course, they got big money tournaments for football coming up. Football season is fast approaching. They got some big money tournaments, million-dollar first prize, best ball tournaments. Go check out draft.com. Use promo code DGEN. As usual, I am here with my favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week? Doing good, Kenny. Uh, coming off a huge week, man. I'm excited to get into this pod. I'm excited for this week. Talk about everything that we just went through last week. It was wild. It was a. It was an awesome Sunday. Uh, super happy, man. It was our call. You went and dug it up. Actually, I, I found one thing from, from it, but you found the one from way back in January today on Twitter where uh, we talked about it on the pod, and then I posted it, and I said, "Look, at 150 to one, things just don't seem right here. You know, uh, the area doesn't seem correct." That he's that he's printed in for numbers here. We we really felt like it was going to be a big year for Gary, and it turned out to pan out yesterday and played out just just how we wanted it. Yeah, I actually had Gary winning the PJ Championship, so I'm a little bitter. I'm like one of the two people in the Twitter world that didn't have any money <laughs> on on Gary Woodland. Uh, me and Pat Mayo were like the only two people in, in in the whole Twitter golf world that didn't have money on him. But uh, you know what? A, it was a it was a great event, a great course. Gary played an amazing, you know, four rounds of golf, pristine conditions. Um, what he did on Sunday truly was remarkable. Uh, 
you know, holding off, you know, the best player in the world, uh, the best major player in the world, best player in the world, Brooks Kepka. Um, you know, having that, and it's not like he 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 excelled. He wasn't trying to hold on to his lead. He was playing aggressive golf, which is great to see, especially from a guy who's never won a major before. Usually with a guy who's never won a major going into the final round, uh, having the lead, they play a little bit more conservative. But that's not what we saw from Gary, and it really, really helped him out. Uh, you think you look at that shot he had on 14, using that three-wood to get to reach the green. I mean, that was balls to the wall. That chip on 17 was so freaking sick. Like the shot of the tournament right off the green on that hourglass-shaped green on 17. And then making that, you know, 35-foot birdie putt just to seal the deal. What a great way to cap off Father's Day, especially for Gary Woodland. I'm sure most of you know uh, he's had some personal tragedies in his life, you know, lost a child. Uh, but, you know, this week he says that he has twins coming up. They have that one – they have the one boy. And it was just a great, great thing. Now, the course, pristine conditions. It, it was beautiful, and it made for a great watch. But I don't think that's what the U.S. Open is supposed to be about. I, I, I might be in the majority here. I think watering the greens on Thursday and Friday really bothered me. Like, you know, you look at the, the five U.S. Opens in the past at Pebble Beach, only 12 golfers have ever shot under par before this week at Pebble Beach um, in a U.S. Open. That's like out of 770 golfers. So like 1.6% has shot under par. 31 golfers shot under par this week. You know, I know people love the course. They say all the golfers loved it, which is a, black flag, a red flag for me. All the announcers loved it, another red flag for me. The thing about the U.S. Open personally, in my opinion, is, you know, these guys play these type of hard, difficult courses where, you know, it's hard. And if the weather is bad, it gets really difficult. But, I mean, you see these type of courses on tour every, you know, a few times a year. Not like 10 times a year, like Honda, uh, Valspa, uh, 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 what's it called, uh, Harbor Town. You know, courses like that, you know, Riviera, Torrey. You see these tough courses that, you know, if the weather's bad, you know, it can get really hard. The issue I have is they knew the weather wasn't going to be that bad. They knew the winds weren't going to be that bad. And they, play, and they let the course play so soft. I mean, people were sticking, you know, were, were, were holding the greens on rough, out of the rough from like 150 yards. I don't think that should happen at the U.S. Open. I was not a big fan of that. But give me one week a year. That's all I ask. One week a year where we see carnage, where we see the best in the world play in the toughest conditions possible. It only happens one time a year. And, it, it, and the U.S. Open is that, that one time. And I think it fell short in that capacity this week. And that's t- taking nothing away from Gary Woodland. What he did was incredible. He deserved to win. But the course was too easy. Watering those greens, it was too easy. You know, they knew the wind wasn't going to be up. The greens were soft. There was no large first top. Now, the issue about this is, you know, it could have been an overreaction from last year at Shinnecock. But last year at Shinnecock, you know, the first two days were tough. They were hard as shit. I think only four golf- golfers played under par on, on Thursday. But all the golfers said that it was fair. It was one of the hardest tests now. But, but what everyone remembers is Saturday. Saturday, yes, the USGA lost the course. Uh, 13 in Shinnecock, you saw Phil do his crazy thing, you know, where he went and hit the moving putt. I mean, it was a disaster. But you know what? Everybody played the same course. Everybody played the same course that day. If that happens in one day for the tournament, so be it. 
you know, I think it, the U.S. Open should be the hardest, most difficult test in golf, and it wasn't this week. And that was my only issue about the tournament. Everything else is great. The course is pretty. It was great to watch. The leaderboard was fantastic. But just I just want one week a year where we see outrageous craziness, most difficult course ever type deal. Just one week a year. And that one week should be the U.S. Open. All the other weeks of the year, you, you see there were, th- there were golfers that had 20 birdies for the week at a U.S. Open. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, now, what did you think about the, the tournament there, Tim? I mean, just on the course real quick with you, don't want to beat a dead horse here, but man, like like you said, I, I'm siding with you. So what I said over the weekend was, uh, you know, I didn't mind it at first because I get it was a little bit gettable. It was quite gettable, I should say, on fri- on Thursday. Uh, and then Friday, it got like a little bit harder, but some guys still ate it up. And then Saturday, it started to bounce a little. So, you know, I was starting to think it was going to be where they were just, you know, progressing that way. But then to see that Sunday that guys had, and then to look at the leaderboard, I, you know, I, I got a few thoughts. Uh, one was, uh, I think it was Josh Perry that said the Waste Management Phoenix Open. You got Reavy and Woodland up there that had the playoff a couple years ago. Brooks, a former winner. Like, it's just funny, but it, it was kind of a little bit easy in that sense. The scoring was a little bit crazy. The, there was no, you know, the greens were never n- too crazy or never too fast. They weren't bouncing like I was expecting. So, I don't know. I felt like the Honda this year had a better feel as far as difficulty goes where, you know, the, I did have a lot of the sweat on the line yesterday. We'll go through here. But to me, it, was, it wasn't it was as hard as it could have been what I was expecting at all. Uh, the one thing I will say is I get the guys that are bringing up, you know, but the weather didn't hit. But like you said, to your point, they, they could have known the forecast. If you saw that there was nothing coming into play, then why water the greens? It's probably not going to get away from you. And if it does, it's only going to get away from you a little bit. Or you can readjust on Saturday when everybody plays the same course or whatever you want to do. To me, it was just it was a little bit too much. It still was a great tournament. Uh, obviously, you know, Gary Woodland coming through had a, had a great four rounds. I loved, like you said, it was weird on Sunday. The one shot that threw me off was on the, the long par five with the uphill second shot where he like put it out 230 yards. I, I wasn't really sure what his plan was there. Uh, and then he still went for it anyway and, and landed it up there. But I think he ended up making a, a sick par or something. It was just silly, the the shot off the tee. But I, I don't know. In the end, he definitely played aggressive. If that had been Ricky up there, uh, I probably would have had less faith than with the way Gary Woodland was just playing. And he was just, um, you know, I joked as a nickname, Gritty Woodland. Like it was all pure grit from him coming out just knowing that he, he knew the whole world was against him all weekend. They said he couldn't, and he did. In the end, it turned out to be great. Brooks Kepka. Can talk all the shit about him, you know, about not being able to repeat, and you know, in my own case, is saying I just don't want to go with him because of that. You know, I'm just going to keep fading him. But man, this guy is almost unfadeable now. He he just proved it again. And I think at the stat on Sunday that that threw me off the most was when they said Justin Rose had 72 putts and Kepka had 88 going into Sunday. That's 16 putts apart. It's like, and he was right on his ass right there. So uh, to come out on Sunday and get the job done on the front nine, like he did, it didn't pan out for him in the end, but still a strong effort by him. And and again, Gary just did his thing and made every shot he had to, and, and he deserved it. One thing about Kepka going into the open championship, uh, his caddy is home course is Royal Portrush. So, you know, if you're thinking about fading Brooks at Royal Portrush, it's probably not a good idea, even if he has $12,000 on DraftKings. His caddy is home course, is Royal Portrush. So he has a little bit of an edge there on a course where nobody has played a tour event. Uh, I wouldn't say nobody. They played a tour event in 2012 there uh, on the Euro Tour. 
Uh, but, you know, most of the people in the field wouldn't have played that tournament in a competition setting. And so Kepka has a little bit of an edge there with his caddy uh, being a, a member. Or I don't even – I think he's probably a member of that course. Um, but, you know, personally for me, the whole aspect of the course playing easier sort of screwed me in DFS. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't – I played – some of my golfers that I played – it wasn't all, but I mean, a, a decent amount of the golfers I played were grinders that I thought were, you know, would be able to make it uh, play, be in more contention if the score was, you know, even the five under. And that's that's what Jordan Spieth said he thought the score was going to be before the tournament started. We had a caddy on Twitter who said that the winning score would be over par. You know, a caddy that caddies at Pebble Beach, you know, saying that. Um, you know, it's the, the course is going to play over par winning score. So, you know, it was definitely screwed me a little bit. So personally, it was a horrible week for me, except for one little thing. And I'll, t- I'll talk about that in a second. It was a horrible week. Like, Justin Thomas missed a cut. And so he was one of my cash game cornerstones. So that hurt. But, like, my other three cash game cornerstones, Hideki led the field and birdies are better. Adam Scott was top 10. H- Henrik Stenson was top 10. The other two golfers that I use is Matt Kuchar, who finished 16th, and Terrell Hatton, who finished 21st. So I had five guys inside the top 21, including three guys, including two guys in the top 10, and a guy who led the field in birdies or better. And you know, if you get that in any other U.S. Open, I would say it's top five percent lineup in cash. Yeah, top five percent lineup in cash, and but 60 percent got got through with six and six because freaking Webb made the cut at um. Uh, Webb made, Web made the cut on the number. He was 70 to 75% owned in double ups, and I didn't have him. So there you go. We've talked about this before, where, you know, somebody being that high owned, if you don't have him, you're sort of screwed. And I was okay until Sunday when he went five under. And so he went five under, finished top 21, and that basically screwed me. I, 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 I hit like one of my like 22 double ups, and um, I was right there on the edge like one to eight points away from each double up. So I lost in cash. So usually when I lose in cash, it's a shitty week, especially when my uh, my, my five highest owned golfers last week, I think were like, okay, I had Xander, which is a good, he was my highest owned. So that was fine. But like, it was like DJ, Ricky, Casey, uh, you know, a Snedeker. You know, those, those were my top five. I sucked. I lost like 468 bucks of my $630 in entry fees. Now, the only saving grace I took down my fifth GPP. I won a, a, a Sunday showdown GPP for 500 bucks, And that put me out for a winning week. I luck boxed into a winning week, hitting that showdown GPP. And so, you know, I had a positive. I won 35 bucks. I was ecstatic. Like 35 bucks in a week where I should have lost everything. Uh, so, so I'm happy about this week. How did you do Really well overall. Um, first off, I just use the form here just to say thank you to everybody that invested on Stake Kings. Uh, the money was all divvied out, I know, overnight to everyone. Got back about 50% of the entries there, which is not good, but obviously that tournament you're playing to win. We're playing for upside. Did have a pretty nice sweat on Sunday, actually. We were 139th going into the day with four guys under 5% owned um, that all had a shot. And what happened was uh horschel was like five percent owned or six percent owned or something and, and he was um i should have said under eight percent owned, i guess just to be exact but yeah horschel was like eight percent he started the day strong then made a double and sort of didn't do anything after that um casey same thing started with like two or three birdies in the first nine and then didn't do anything after that he fizzled out but it was crazy like you said with all these six of sixes the way it worked out like 
if you looked, it was a lineup and it ended up finishing in 105th. Um, where's Horschel here? So Horschel's on my list. I think he was like 31st or sorry, 32nd. Then you got Casey in 21st. And then I had the other guys I had were Rom in third, Stenson in ninth, Rose in third, and Woodland in first. And like you said, you got a 1 3 3 9 21 31. In most tournaments, that would easily be like a top 10 or who knows at a US Open. Normally, that'd be incredible because it's so tough to get that. But when you got Webb and Stenson and all these guys that are heavily owned, and what ended up putting the nail in the coffin in that lineup was the two pairings it just worked out randomly. I had Rom and Stenson that were playing together that were sort of going off and then they fizzled out on the back nine. And the other pairing that was going out at the same time was Xander and Scott, who, who came in sort of the same sort of finishing. They came third and seventh versus Rom was third and ninth with Stenson. But those guys, uh, you know, just kept scoring. They, they went off on Sunday. So that was a tough one, but we had a shot at least. That was, that was the fun behind it. So that's been divvied out. Thank you again to everybody uh, who invested. I might do something like that again in the future, but um, on the week was great because the Gary Woodland bet we talked about it at the top of the show, 150 to one, um, bet it back in January. Again, Josh Perry, I think had posted something on it. And then you and I had talked about it with, uh, Nolman had talked in one of the slacks about it. And, and we were all over Gary for the entire year. So I actually still have him for port rush. I'm definitely not expecting anything there, but I got him at 125 to one there, but 151 to one with the each way, just in case. Um, so it was a, a decent sized bet. And then I posted on Twitter, it was about 50 bucks, but I guess somewhere along the way, I just bet it again on the other site. So I posted both the slips so people see it was just funny that I was like, Oh, I got to get on this. It's still 150. I must've just made the mistakes. It was the best double bet mistake that I've ever made. Uh, on the weekend. Yeah. That was worth about 7,500 American. I, I know everyone that listens is American Canadian. It was just about 10 G's, uh, but about 7,500 American biggest bet I've actually ever won. Uh, had a few, you know, 3K, 4K types, but that was huge. Uh, so for Father's Day for him, for Father's Day for me, for, uh, you know, just a nice sweat on Sunday. I did not expect it was getting very nerve-wracking as it came down to it. The only sort of reason it wasn't as sweaty was because, you know, you from you know from the pod last week and the week before, I had that Rory double with Brooks, Tiger, and DJ. So the, the guy in second, Brooks, was sort of my backup plan, and I still had the each-ways on Gary Woodland. So it would probably drop me to like 6k American instead of 7,500. So I'll take that extra 1500, uh, and roll with it. So good, great week overall, huge bet. Uh, got a few more bets this week because of that. Uh, still sticking within bankroll management, but, uh, definitely feeling the, the momentum. I'm going to try and ride it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it was, I, I'll take the week that I had, uh, the McCaskey and Cornerstones have gotten three or four for the last three weeks, which is a little bit annoying. Uh, but the good thing is I've had two runner-ups, like six top tens out of the nine guys that made the cut. Uh, so, I, I, you know, it, it evened out. Uh, but I was a little bitter about the whole uh, – because I only rostered – there was like, I think, seven golfers above 7,600 on DraftKings that missed the cut. I did not roster any of them except Justin Thomas. And he was in my cash game cornerstone. So that I, I'm still a little bitter about that. But because it would have been a huge week if I won in cash. You know, with the five hundred dollar, uh, you know, GPP prize uh, that I won on Showdown on Sunday, plus the cash, it would have been a huge week. Even though the GPPs weren't that great uh, overall, but whatever. It's still, kudos to Gary Woodland. Great tournament, great event. Um, I just could have done with a little bit of tougher conditions. That, that's my only qualm about that course. All right, so let's move on to um, this week. First off, let's actually let's go ahead and let's go do the listener league first. Last week. The listener league winner was Jay Wickham. 
with 501 uh, DraftKings points. He had Justin Rose, who finished third, uh, 8.5% owned. Adam Scott, one of my cash game cornerstones, 30% owned, uh, finished seventh. He had Xander, who was my highest owned in GBPs, 18.5%, uh, finished in third. Usti, who I did like as well, uh, 4.5%, uh, finished seventh. He had Webb, and, and Webb was a killer. I think uh, it killed me in cash. He was 41.5% owned, uh, you know, with his five under par Sunday. He finished in 16th place uh, uh, with 76 drafting points. And then he had Terrell Hatton, who I liked a lot last week, who came through a little bit on the weekend, 8% owned, finished in 21st. What do you think of the lineup there, Tampa? Pretty solid. Um Used a little bit of cash like we talked about. Had the Webb Simpson. I was heavy on Webb Simpson. I just thought the price was too small. So I did love that. Uh, the rest was pretty balanced. Uh, this is what we find works typically at majors. Uh, we talked a little bit about it at um, on the pod there last week just with the, the Brooks Kepka and even DJ. Those guys at those prices. I, I liked DJ better. That didn't work out. But I actually was underweight on DJ and uh, zero Brooks. And the problem is because those lineups, you need to find the exact, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, needle in a haystack to make it work, right? Even if they go on to win, it's tough because you got to have the exact right guys with them. With these balance lineups, you can shake it up a bit more and get your points where, uh, you know, you can find them in a $7,200 guy with the, the getting four of these middle guys with Scott, Webb, Xander, um, Rose. The, I thought the Louis play was sharp. Uh, Louis sort of a guy that ended up working out regardless, but I, he was a guy I kind of would have liked – for the, the higher scoring, right? If it had a finish at plus two, like the guy, the caddy from Pebble was talking about, Louie can fit in there a lot better than what I expected here, but he just stayed steady, 66, 70, 70, 72. Like he, he played his way through it and made his way up to the top there and ended up getting 88 DraftKings points just the way the scoring went with the eagle and the streaks. So uh, solid lineup. Shout out to Jay Wickham, and we'll see him in the three-man this week. All right, that sounds good. Before we get into this week, let's talk about gutscorner.com. Last week, uh, one of the gupscorner.com members, Rich, took sixth place in the Millie Maker. Use promo code. And, and for this week, I know last week we said that it was going to be the last week we do uh, the 25% off. Well, we're extending it one more week. This is the last time you can get 25% off gupscorner.com using promo code DGEN25. Uh, I know uh, last because the reason we're doing that, the guys are doing this from Gups Corner is they realize that. You know, last week, if you signed up, you didn't get the Open Championship. So for the guys that signed up last week, there was a bunch of you. Thank you for that. Um, you know, when you sign up again, you know, before the Open Championship, you can still get that promo, DGEN25. So don't worry about that. You're not losing anything. You still get the 25% off when you re-up. But for the guys who haven't joined yet, use promo code DGEN25. It's one of the better sites out there. Uh, Gup is an amazingly sharp dude. He's hit a couple of first-round leader bets and a couple of winners in two of the last three weeks. He won uh, five figures, close to $25,000 uh, uh, three weeks ago, uh, three or four weeks ago. Really solid guy. All the guys that work for them, Tyler, uh, Bucks, Ruby, uh, Gup, all really sharp dudes, ownership projections, uh, bets, uh, DFS plays, ranking, every uh, lineup generator, everything you need is on the site. So make sure you use promo code DGEN25, get your subscription. I would suggest a year-long subscription because you get it's 365 days from the day you or from the day you subscribe. So that's four majors right there, plus 46 tournaments, plus football. And these guys are sharp as hell in football. Use promo code DGEN25, go to gupscorner.com, get on that site now. All right. So let's move on to this week. This week. 
Latour moves to Cromwell, Connecticut for the Travelers Championship from TPC River Highlands. The field is actually pretty stacked for a tournament been played a week after a major. Cantlay, Day, Kepka, JT, Molinari, Fleetwood, Spieth headline the field, and they are joined by a strong group of golfers just under them in stature, including Bubba, Leishman, Bryson, Reed, Casey, and more. The course is one of the easier tracks on tour, weather permitting, and birdie barrages are the norm, as we saw three years ago with Jim Furyk shooting his historic 58th here. Though length off the tee won't hurt, this course doesn't necessarily favor just long hitters, as seen by the playoff in 2010 between Bubba Watson, who's long off the tee, Corey Pavin, probably the shortest hitter off the tee back then, and Scott Verplank, who was a medium-length hitter. Uh, the victory by Ken Duke a few years ago, another short hitter. Russell Knox won in 2016, another short hitter. And, of course, Jim Furyk shot 58, not, not a long hitter. Uh, personally, I think that this course is a second-shot course, and looking at golfers that excel at approach shots should be a good way to go. A couple of other things about the course in the tournament. Four of the past nine winners won for the first time in their careers here at TPC River Highlands. And since, but since 2001, only two golfers have won this tournament in their first appearance. Uh, Phil in 2001 and Spieth in 2017. Now, TPC River Highlands is a 6,840-plus yard par 70 with two par 5s and four par 3s. The par 5-6 is the longest of the two par 5s, but will still be reachable by, you know, bigger hitters. The par 5-13th is much shorter, and almost all the golfers will be able to reach in two. The par 4-15th is a very short par 4, uh, under 300 yards, and we will see some golfers reach to green on their tee shot there. All three of these holes have close to a 40% birdie percentage uh, throughout the years. If golfers par any of these holes, they'll be losing strokes on the field. Uh, off the tee, golfers will see wide fairways, with uh, wide-ish fairways, uh, with bunkers and trees in play if they miss the short grass. The fairways actually get more narrow the farther from the tee box you get. So after 300 yards, it definitely gets a little bit more narrow. So you'll definitely see a lot of guys using less than driver. But you'll also see some guys like Bubba and others, I probably expect Kepka to do the same, who will hit, put their driver more than most of the field. Um, these fairways are some of the easiest to hit on tour as nearly 70% of all tee shots find the fairway. If golfers do miss the fairway, the first cut of rough is not too thick and playable, but the farther the golfer misses the fairway by, the thicker and taller the rough is going to get. I've heard some reports that it's as tall as four inches in some points uh, this week. Unlike other events with tall, thick rough, the greens of TPC River Highlands are soft and receptive, and they're getting rain this week, Tuesday through Friday, so they could even be more receptive than usual. So missing the greens won't be a total disaster, um, or missing the fairways won't be a total disaster since the course is so short. Uh, they should be hitting their approaches with a short iron wedge, nine iron, maybe even less. Uh, the greens are on the smaller side, except for the long par three holes with a bit of slope, and a lot of them are elevated and crowned along the edges. There's not crazy undulation to the greens, but they usually put the pin in a place where there's some slope, so they don't have golfers shooting minus 30 for the week. They also put pin locations in very close proximity to the edge of the greens, so golfers can have a tricky can have tricky chip shots if they short-side themselves. Even though the greens are small, small-ish, uh, nearly 67% of approach shots still find the green at TPC with Liver Highlands, which is above tour average. If golfers miss the green, they will have to deal with collection areas, thick rough, water, and numerous bunkers. The chipping around the greens uh, here is actually pretty tough. Uh, the greens use a blend of poa and bank grass and are on the slow side with a stint meter rating of around 11. Uh, slow greens tend to give poor putters a better shot at succeeding, and this is definitely the case 
at TPC River Highlands. Numerous poor putters have done well here in the past. You look at Knox. You look at Bubba. Um, water is in play on about a third of the holes, including a huge pond that surrounds holes 15, 16, and 17. But since you don't see too many large scores, you don't see too many balls in the water. There'll be a couple, but it's not going to be a major, major factor. Tambo, what stats are you looking for this week, or what golfers are you looking for this week? Yeah, I'm looking at a little bit of a more wider blend. Um, looking at approach heavy again. Not quite the exact same as last week, but but same sort of thing with approach. Uh, greens and regulation, a little bit more birdies are better here, like you talked about, the propensity to score more. Uh, par 4, 400 to 450, I know you're going to be all over that, but there's, I think it, there's eight that are for sure in that range, and I think there's a ninth that's like 464. So basically it's 8.9%, uh, or 8.9 holes are, are pretty much there for 400 to 450. Um, and then other than that, just a little bit of the strokes game, ball striking, and a little bit of around the green. The greens are decent size, average size here now, not like last week, but uh, again, still not going to hit every green. So I want to have a little bit of that short game mixed in as well. Yeah, I'll buy you. I want to, I, I'm, I'm looking at all those. One thing I'm also going to be looking at is uh, um, proximity from 125 to 150 and 150 to 175 yards, a bunch of wedges. Are played here. If you Bubba said like he hits like twelve wedges here uh, every every time he plays, so lots of wedges here. Uh, so you're gonna need that one twenty five to one seventy five range. All right, so let's get to the field this week. Let's start off with this ten k range. We have Jason Day all the way to Mister Brooks Kepka. Who do you like this week in this range here, Tampa? Yeah, here we go again. Right, same thing. I I don't know. I'm sticking a little bit with my you know eleven k and up is just. A little bit costly, man. Like it's getting there. So I like Brooks and I like Cantlay. I'm not big on Spieth or Molinari, but oh gosh, it's tough. I guess if I had to pick one, I'd just say Cantlay. I don't want to name every guy here or something, but Cantlay for me, uh, I know Brooks is the guy, but it's 500 bucks in savings. It can come in handy. I don't know, you know, how hyped up either of them are going to be coming off the U.S. Open and hopping in here, but. Again, I think Cantlay is still fine. He's been so strong, you know, less of a, a result at the U.S. Open. But Brooks is the major killer. And before that, first at the Memorial, third, third, and ninth. I don't think anything's wavered in his game. I actually liked him a little bit for showdown on Sunday. I thought he would have bounced back a little bit more. So uh, I'm okay with him coming in here. I think he's still fresh. I think the field is still nice for him to be able to take on. It is a little bit more expensive. And with Brooks there and people dropping down, uh, he might not be too high-owned. And I like Cantlay the most. Uh, consider Day a little bit over Speed the Molinari if I'm adding a third guy in. But I, like I said, I won't play much Kepka. I'll probably be underweight. And same for Day, maybe right at field. But I'll probably be at field or overweight on Cantlay. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be light in this range. Um, Cantlay's – I'm going to play Cantlay. Uh, like you said, you went over everything. I, his, the worst part of his game so far in his last, you know, 10, 12 events has been uh, hitting fairways. And, you know – he should be able to hit the fairway here if he clubs down. So I, you know, that's the worst, been the worst part of his game. Everything else looks great. Uh, maybe he could do be a little better with his wedges, but really, everything else is really, really solid for Canley. But again, I'm going to be light on him. I think I'm going to play Molinari. Um, I have a feeling that he's going to be a little bit overlooked. You know, Speed, former champion, Brooks, one of the best players in the world. Cantley with the crazy form. Day is a Pete Dye killer. Uh, so I do think that. Molinari might be a little bit on their own. Like when you look at his stats, nothing pops. He's not that great stat wise. He's actually worse than my model than Jordan Spieth in the last fifty rounds. But you know, again, like going back into a going back into what you usually do, Tambo, is looking at more of a long 
term for him. The reason Molinari's been struggling just a little bit is because he hasn't really hit as many greens as he normally has uh, in the past. Uh, he's been relying a lot on his chipping. He's been one of the best uh, short game guys out there, which is a little strange. But, you know, I, I think this is a course where he can get back in the form. Uh, you know, it, it's an easier course. He can make birdies. He's really good. Uh, he's pretty solid with his wedge play. Uh, so I do like Molinari as sort of a contrarian play up here up top. All right, in this 9K range, I'm going to go ahead and start. I love this range. I'm going to be starting a lot of my lineups with almost all of these guys. And I'm not going to list all the guys, but I'll go over my cash game cornerstones first. First is going to be Paul Casey. Uh, you know, a couple of runner-ups here. Uh, really good for, uh, really good form on this course. He hasn't played exceptionally well overall, but I think going back to somewhere where he's comfortable, uh, I think can help him. You know, iron game always strong. Good at, good at par four scoring. Um, good with his uh, short wedges. Hits a ton of greens. Uh, so I do like uh, Paul Casey as my first cash game cornerstone pick. And right underneath him, I'm going to go Tommy Fleetwood uh, for my second cash game cornerstone pick at $9,300. Uh, hasn't missed a cut this season. This course seems like it could suit him. Um, you know, uh, tee to green, solid. Greens and regulation. You guys know Tommy's game. That's what he does. Fairways and greens, usually pretty solid in that area, especially with his iron play, um, hitting a ton of greens. So I do like Fleetwood. Those two are going to be my cash game cornerstones. I'm going to play a ton of Justin Thomas again. I know he killed me last week, and he killed a lot of other people last week, but the guy's got to be hungry, you know. He's coming in. He hasn't won in 10 months. This is a course where he can go ahead and be aggressive, you know, play his game, First in strokes gained tee to green in his last 50 rounds. Hits a ton of greens. Really solid on par fours. Good, really good uh, good with his wedges. You know, fourth in proximity from 125 to 150 yards in this field in the last 50 rounds. Uh, 17th in proximity from 150 to 175 in this field. Um, it's possible that he could be a little bit lower owned. I'm not sure. People might go back to him, even though he, he, got, he screwed people last week. I don't, I'm not an ownership guru. That's not my specialty, but he could be a little bit lower owned. So I do like Justin Thomas, probably my favorite GPP play. And I like Bryson a little bit. I think this is the course where he's had some success in, and I think he can get his game back on track. If you look last week, he gained almost four and a half strokes with his approaches and his putter and, you know, similar type um, grass on these greens as you saw on uh, Pebble last week. You know, the reason why he finished so poorly was he was pretty bad chipping the ball. Uh, but if it's a ton of greens, uh, that really won't matter. So I think this could be a, a place where we can see Bryson come back uh, to the form that he has been at a lower ownership just because, um, you know, he hasn't been playing the best golf recently. But I'm going to play all these guys in this 9K range. Uh, but, though, but but Casey Fleetwood, Cash Game Cornerstones, JT Bryson, favorite GPB plays. Who do you like? Pretty similar. Uh, I'll kick us into the AK after I go through this, but uh, JT, I love. Uh, I don't care what his ownership is. Going back to him, I feel like that's again still two thousand less than Brooks. Uh, I mean, that's one where you can say maybe not lately, but it's not like JT isn't a fantastic player. You know, one of the best in the world. So for ninety eight hundred, your AC works overtime all summer. So be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. New hot and iced Sunrise Batch Coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. 
and even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Again, like my builds better with that. Not saying he's better. Not saying it matters. He's $2,000 less. It does matter. We play a pricing game. So at 9800 I'll play all the JT. Uh, his stats still line up. It wasn't like a horrible week. He didn't make the cut, so maybe he got a little bit more rust. Uh, so a little bit more rest after you know knocking some of the rust off the last couple of weeks and getting back into the swing of things. Casey, obviously you mentioned him for cash. I think he's going to be extremely popular in both cash and GPPs, but that's okay. I love this balanced range. My first T3PO is actually right here, and you just talked him up, but you like them both, and you like Fleetwood for cash, so I don't mind this one. It's going to be Bryson over Tommy. Uh, everything you just talked about, couple things that stood out. One is getting back on track for him. It started late last week uh, at the U.S. Open just this past weekend, and the history he has here, ninth and 26th in the last two years. Uh, it's a first time for Fleetwood. And then again, back to what you mentioned in talking that longer term approach, like you mentioned with Molinari, I like it for cheaper in Bryson for a guy who wins in America, you know, what, five times or four times or something, two at one stretch. Like Tommy hasn't won over here. So, uh, you know, over there, I should say, I guess I'm the Canadian here, but you know what I mean? Bryson is the guy that gets the W's. I I'm, I'm counting on him to bounce back in a big way. Uh, spoiler alert, he's going to be my one and done of the week. We'll get to that later. But I, I love Bryson here uh, at 9200 Again, I feel like there's too much upside built into that price versus some of the other guys around him. To kick us off into the next range because it starts at 9 k uh, I'll go through my second T3PO, which is right here. A lot of Bubba Watson love out there this week. I do have an interesting stat. I'll go through in a second, but I'm still, I still can't do that. Uh, he's just not playing well lately. Maybe use him in like a cash lineup if you want to go with the course history narrative and the Bubba track quote unquote thing. But uh, I got to go with Finau. I still like Finau. We're going back to a course. You know, it's not like he sprays it off the tee, but just saying there's a little bit more room to work. Uh, his ability to score, his DraftKings scoring, his birdies are better, his 400 to 450 range we talked about. Just every stat kills him, and even on the last 36, uh, I think there's more uh, equity in that from a recent standpoint. The one thing that scares me a little bit, but I, I'm still doing it. I don't care. I'm not playing Bubba uh, heavily here this week. I might have to have a little bit of him just because it sounds like he's going to get super popular. as sort of a blocker a little bit, but uh, if you go back to last year, Bubba, start from the Masters, it's right quick through to the Travelers when he won. He got fifth at the Masters, didn't do well at the Players, but he made the cut, didn't do well at the Memorial, but he made the cut, missed the cut at the U.S. Open, and then won the Travelers. If you look at this year, 12th at the Masters, not bad, but a little worse than last year, missed the cut at the PGA, and then if you look at the Canadian Open, 63rd, and then he missed the cut at the U.S. Open. So uh, very similar pattern. So if you are the, you know, the course history Bubba Track guy, this is your spot to play him. For me, it'll be Tony Finau over Bubba Watson. Uh, one guy I'm going to stick with here, though, we talked about him a little bit earlier for his results this week, but Louis O still stands out to me at 8,800. Uh, like we talked about, you compared a little bit to last week, but from a stat perspective, you know, really good off the tee, around those greens, the DK scoring, the 400 to 450, uh, and he's been putting really well. Uh, just using the last 36 rounds as a whole. But, you know, Louis, Louis O is a guy that I think still has the upside here at 8,800. So he's sort of another pivot you could do off of Bubba for a guy with, uh, you know, just coming off a hot weekend. And then on top of that, the ability to score here. So uh, other guys I like in this range, drop down. I'll stick with Ches Reevy. 
Uh, I like him that his price is up a little bit at 8400 I know it's not always ideal uh, when the price jump happens like that, but at the end of the day, it's a different scenario because it's, the, it's a major versus a, a standard tour event. So, of course, his price has to jump up some. In the major field, he's not nearly as strong, but he's been really solid uh, for everything. He, he ranks really high in my model. You look at approach, greens and reg, DK scoring sneakily. He's first overall in the last 36 rounds for 400 to 450 range. Uh, still scoring on par fives, ball striking, everything is there. Uh, like that his price went up a little bit, so I hope to get a little bit of an ownership discount there. Jason Kokrak might go forgotten. I think this is maybe, I don't know about next week, but I was going to say, I think this is one of his last chances to get a win on this stretch that he's been on that we keep saying he's going to get it, he's going to get it, or he's coming close. This might be the last shot, so I like Kokrak. Streelman's going to be popular, but i got to like a little bit of him, and then I'll round it out with Charlie Hoffman. Uh, again, not sure if anyone's going to play him at 8,100, but the wedge game, the 400 to 450 range, and his putter all give me reason to play him here at a course like this where you can put it out wherever he wants and then get it in tight and go from there. Uh, the thing about Charlie Hoffman is I, I read somewhere that he's shot under par in his last 12 rounds at this course. So, yeah, Charlie Hoffman is definitely a play this week. I like the bottom half yeah. of this range. F- 15th oh, and 3rd in the last two years. So, yeah, well, I should have added that just for course history. Uh, I'm not as huge on that as everybody else. I'm going to say, if you look, I, it sounds like Streelman's getting a little bit of buzz for his recent form plus the similar course history. But Hoffman actually has better course history. And to your point, you just said, uh, just scoring like crazy right now and the putter's on. So I'll keep riding it and hope that less people are on him at 8,100. Yeah, uh, I like the bottom three guys here. Uh, I do like Streelman. He, you know, the, the stats line up pretty well. He's been hitting a ton of greens here lately, playing par four as well. You know, there's 12 of them this week, hitting a lot of fairways. Uh, so I do like Streelman a bit. He's won here in the past. Uh, I do like Berger. Uh, I think he's gained something like 42 strokes gained total uh, in his last five years on Pete Dye courses. So he's becoming sort of like a Pete Dye guy. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll play Berger. Uh, Hoffman, I do like, like I said, 12, 12 straight rounds on the par. Good for, good course history. Really good with the wedges. Now, one thing about Bubba. You look, people always, I, I tweeted this on, on Twitter. Uh, people always say the Bubba, you know, Bubba courses, you know, play Bubba, play uh, Bubba courses. It's probably true. Uh, 23 top threes and 11 wins since 2010 in stroke play events that don't change courses each year. 15 of the 23 top threes that he had, and eight of his 11 wins have come on just five courses. Riviera, Doral, uh, Phoenix, uh, Augusta, and TPC River Highlands. So I'll be using Bubba. Uh, we'll see how popular he really does get. But the thing about him with the form, you're right. I mean, leading up, the form really doesn't matter. He misses the cut at the U.S. Opens all the time. I think he's missed right. the majority of his cuts at the U.S. Open. It's just not what he does. He hates He hates playing it. It's what it looks like. You never roster Bubba at the U.S. Open. That's just what it is. So yeah. uh, I think a couple of couple of his wins came on the heels of a missed cut at the U.S. Open uh, here at the Travelers. So I'll probably use a little bit of Bubba. Bubba, I'm a little worried about Usti. I like Usti more um, in, like you said, uh, like single-digit winners. You know, like tougher I, tracks. I like yeah, that. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so and so and you know I, I worry about that, and that's why I always like Usti at majors because they're always a bit more tougher. Uh, but I mean the other guys. The, the one thing, play. the one thing that's still there, just real quick, sorry, was yeah that last last year was a big scoring event here at seventeen under, but the year before was only twelve under. So if we get that or in between, that's sort of the same. Per- 
that's sort of the, yeah, I know for sure. That, that's won't. sort of the same tournament we just saw. It's going to be wetter this year by the looks of it in yeah. the uh, the forecast, yeah. but you never know with how they extend the rounds, if a round gets suspended or whatever, it'll be wetter in the morning. But that's I don't true. know, like I said, with the that's way true. he's been, and, and he's been on a little bit, it is still possible. But I hear your take there. And like you said, it is scary to think of above a fade. Uh, I don't think I'll be able to do that. I just, I'm not too keen on it. He reminds me of Keegan Bradley, who we'll get to, that I'm almost just done with. And you shouldn't do that in DFS, especially on a week-to-week thing. But sometimes it's just too much, right? These guys add up. Well, the thing about Bubba is, if if you go, if I look on GupsCorner.com this week and look at the projected ownership, and Gup has him really, really high, uh, then it's possible that maybe I'll hedge and not use him in uh, DraftKings. But he's going to be my one and done pick. So a little bit of okay. a hedge there. I, I think I'm I'm 81st in in the big Gup's corner one and done. So I'm in the money right now. I want to get to like the top 20, you know, get some real money, uh, but. You know, so so I'll probably use Bubba. I don't think I can use him at any other point in time this season. You know, it's not like we play the Greenbrier anymore or something like that. You know, so uh, and that's not that's not until the fall for next year. So uh, that's it, it, probably it could be something that I do. But if I see his ownership is going to be a little bit lower because people are off because of what he did last week and his poor form leading in, then you know maybe I'll probably use him. All right, the seven K range. I'll go ahead and do my last two cash game cornerstones. Uh, first is going to be Russell Knox, a former winner here. Uh, playing pretty decent golf approach game, good tee to green, good. Hit, just to, uh, hit, all he does is hit greens. Solid par four score, you know, good from 400 to 450 yards. So uh, I'll be playing Russell Knox uh, with a good course history here. He'll be my uh, uh, cash game cornerstone, and I skipped one. Uh, it's going to be Emiliano Grillo at uh, $7,900. Grillo might be one of the most popular golfers uh, on in the field this week. He could be the highest owned in GPPs. So I'm going to be using him in cash. Uh, I'll use him in GPPs, but he might be a little bit less than the field. You know, that you guys have listened to the show long enough. That's how I go uh, about my business when it comes to cash and GPPs. If I use a guy in cash, I'm probably going to be a little bit lighter on him um, in GPPs. So uh, even though I've sort of been changing that a little bit here recently, and of course I did that with JT last week, and I had like something like 25% of them these two. So yeah, so that, that did not work out for me. But uh, I do like Grillo. His iron game is just sick. I think he was second in strokes game approach last week. He's been like top 10 in strokes game approach in like a whole ton of events this year. The guy's iron play is just ridiculous. But I think he lost like six strokes putting last week. So hopefully it was that's, bad. That's, I know he's yeah. a bad putter. I know he's a bad putter. But like that's even horrible, more horrible for him. But, you know, strong wedge game, tons of greens, accurate, you know, really good with the iron play. He just makes sense at this course. So my four cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Paul Casey at $9,500, Tommy Fleetwood at $9,300, Emiliano Grillo at $7,900, and Russell Knox at $7,700. That's going to leave you, I think, like – $15,600 $15,600 left under the cap. Plenty of room uh, to go ahead and make the rest of your lineups. Other guys I do like in this range. I sort of like Andrew Putnam at $7,600. This guy was like top 10 in birdies uh, last week at the PG- at the U.S. Open and finished in like 63rd place because he had like 8 billion double bogeys. <laughs> it was crazy. Like I think he had like six doubles and 10 – six doubles, 10 birdies or six doubles – 10 bogeys, and 19 birdies. Uh, I don't think he's going to have, you know, 15 bogeys on this course. 16 bogeys. If he does, 
something's wrong because it's not that type of course. So if he keeps up this birdie-making prowess, uh, I think he has a good shot to succeed this week. So I do like Andrew Putnam as a GPP, GPP play up here. Uh, I like CT Pan at $7,600, a short court spe- a short course specialist, uh, a guy whose stats don't necessarily line up, but it's a shorter course. I do like him on these type of courses. I'll be using him in GPPs. Um, who, do you, who else do you like in this upper 7K range, Tambo? How, how did you talk about cash for his GPP? And leave the and at seventy nine hundred dollars and leave the elephant of the room out of your conversation in Victor Hovland. Yeah. Why, why don't you talk about that? Because I think that was one of your first questions yesterday on Twitter before the tournament even ended. Was yeah. what's his ownership going to be this week and how much is he going to cost? So where are you at here, Kenny, on Victor Hovland? Ah, it's too expensive for a guy on his first pro. <laughs> too expensive. His first pro uh, tournament. Um. You know the guy's been balling. There's no doubt, but I, 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 I don't know. It may is he, is he John Rom? I mean, can he do it like John? Has Rahm? he? Is yeah, he, I, I mean, it's funny that you said that. Has he really been balling though? Like one event, he was balling. Yeah. Right. Like. Well, I mean, he was balling I mean, at the Masters too. I mean, he got 32nd in the Masters. I'm just saying. I guess. I, I don't know. It's a tricky price for me. I, I guess that's your GPP play because, like you said, we know Grillo's getting the ownership. There's yeah. no doubt. He, he pops on every stat board. He pops on. Any, anything you want to look at with Grillo um, at this course, 19th and 43rd the last two years, 18 and 19 cuts uh, of his last 19 cuts with something like eight top 25s and three top 10s at just 7,900. Uh, I'd say he's one of the best values of the week like Webb was last week. Uh, but there's your GPP play on Hovland. I, I think a lot of people are going to play Hovland. Uh, and that's not going to balance it out heavily. Maybe they have them both together. There's going to be a lot of mixtures because they fit in any lineup build. Um, but I'm with you a little bit there. It's not really a lot of stats to go off of. It's not really, um, you know, something that you can really get a great, get a gauge on. You just got to go with your gut. And to me, the one thing I did see was, was interesting. Somebody posted on Twitter. He has literally the exact same swing as Dustin Johnson with that yeah, bold wrist that. at the top. I'm not sure if I you saw, saw that, that, but it's yeah. incredible. It's almost like a silhouette version yeah. of the two of them. And, you know, the funny joke going around, I think it was Mayo or someone started with stoned Rory. He just looks like he's high as hell, right? He high does. as a draft's ass. Right? They're just sitting on the course smiling and laughing at everything. And, and to me, it was funny. But I don't know. I, maybe, I don't want to go on well, the maybe, go maybe he got the wrong CBD oil. Maybe he got the good <laughs> shit instead of, instead of the regular shit that most tour players he play. Swap- play. Go ahead. He got the higher end gum than than, than what uh, Tiger and Phil got. That's for sure. So yeah, he had the potent uh, shit. The potent shit. He's yeah. he's a funny guy though, man. I'm excited for his future. You know, followed him along on on the show, driven there with, um, you know, OSU and all those guys. You got Wolf, who we'll get to after, and all those dudes. But I- interesting to see how he pans out. I'll probably you know FOMO alert have to have a little bit of him, maybe ten percent or something, just to see in all my lineups because. Uh, it's an interesting play, and I think if I do it, you know, just talking strategy for a second here, I might do like if I do a hundred lineups and put them in ten, I might do like three or four with Grillo, but I'll do like seven or eight without Grillo on purpose. So I'll do some blended, and then most of them without as the pivot where you don't end up having the two of them, so you can leverage all the Grillo ownership well, uh, just in case. One, right. One thing about Hovland, if you take a peek at like what he's done in his you know few pro tournaments. Or a few PGA Tour events, um, the, 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 the he's been really good at tougher courses where the score is a little bit lower. So the U.S. Open, the winning score was what minus thirteen. He finished twelfth. The Masters uh, was somewhere around that range too. I don't remember 
uh, the score. I think Woods was uh, he was minus thirteen again, same as last time. The two missed cuts that he has uh, this uh, when he's played on the PGA Tour is at the OHL Mayakoba, uh, where it was twenty two under par, which I think you could see somewhere close to that, you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty under par. This week in the Farmers, which is another one where it was twenty one under par, a higher scoring, a little bit easier track. That's what you're going to see here. A small sample size. So, you know, it just could have just been, you know, coincidence that, that those are the two that he missed the cut in. Uh, but that's something to think about here because the course is going to be playing a little bit easier. And he hasn't made the cut on courses where it's been like a, a higher uh, scoring average. So, yeah, something to think about because even even the cut he made at the Arnold Palmer, the winning score is minus 12. And so the two, the two, the two miscuts he has were, you know, when he scored minus twenty. So that's something you've got to think about with Hovland. I'm not really sure I'm going to play him this week. Go ahead with the rest of this range, Taylor. Yeah, then that's what I was going to say. So kicking off the other guys I like here, the, you know, Benny Ann's right there too. I just think again, upside wise, we know it's you know talk about guy that loose strokes putting and Grillo. It's the same sort of thing with Benny Ann, but um, his irons. You know, one thing I'll say is Hatchman. The, the Benny on lover is actually there at the travelers this week. So there is some, you know, momentum or, or romance <laughs> in the air. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. maybe that's going to be the thing. So I do like Benny Ann at 7,800. Uh, Ryan Moore is going to be popular. I think he's another good play that's been rounding into form a little bit. 7,800. Give him a, M got a forced break song J M because he didn't make it into the U S open. So, I mean, he's probably just, you know, chopping at the bit to get four rounds in. So, you know, he's making the cut. This guy wants to play some golf competitively. He loves playing. So all these guys at 7,800 work. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys there that I can play over, uh, over Victor Hovland. I mean, Sung JM ripped up the web tour last year. So, I mean, he, he's capable of doing a lot of things here himself. So I, I, the thing about uh, I, I do like Sanjay. I didn't talk about him, but he, I think he plays better on easier courses. So I oh, think, definitely, I think, I think, I think def- for sure. Yeah, I think he's definitely viable this week. I think uh, Benny on is viable this week. So I'll be Korean rostering with my people this week, both those guys as well. Yeah, it's a it's a battle, and we'll get into another one in a second. But you know, you got Sung Jay versus Ryan Moore. You know, it's the Kawhi Leonard play, the the quote unquote fun guy. I'd I'd rather play the fun guy in Sung Jay M than the, the Ryan Moore, the boring play. But only because I think it's going to score more, and I think it's going to be something that we get a little bit more out of it. Like you said, when it comes to the overall final score, I, I want the guy that's had the week off and is chomping at the bit in Sung Jay M. Uh, last couple plays here. You mentioned Putnam, but. Uh, I don't mind that, and Knox is obviously chalk, but my third and final T3PO is going to be you know, pivoting off Bradley if people are still going to go back to this guy because he can still score and he hits greens and whatever, good on approach. But uh, I really want to play Adam Hadwin, and it's not a Canadian bias, but I, I just like where he's at. So ball striking, off the tee, approach is decent, greens and reg, birdie are better, and DK points are sneakily much better. Than Keegan Bradley in the last three round, in the last thirty six rounds, thirtieth in that four hundred to four fifty, which beats Bradley, and then he's better on par fives, and we know he's the much better putter, uh, really good on Poa too. So Hadwin over Bradley is going to be my first one. My second one is going to be Finau over Bubba, and my third one is going to be Bryson over Fleetwood to round it out. Who do you got in the 7,500 and below range, Kenny? I, again, I'm going Korean heavy this week. I'm playing all the Koreans this week <laughs> in the 7K range. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play Siwoo Kim. It's a it's a Pete Dye course, uh, so it's a must play. If, if Siwoo is playing a Pete Dye course, you must roster him. Uh, I think uh, looking at um, – I was looking at the Fantasy Golf Pod Twitter feed, 
and they said that he's gained 55.6 strokes game total in in 33 rounds played at Pete Dye courses in the last five years. So, Siwoo, I'm playing. Uh, Sung Kang, I'm playing. You know, seventh in DraftKings points in the last 50 rounds in this field. Uh, 13th and birdie or better gained in this field the last 50 rounds. He's been putting fairly well, above average with his approach game. So we're going Korea heavy. And I'm going to play KH Lee as well. Team Korea this week. It's going to be, you know, it's KH Lee top 10 in greens and regulation gained in the last 50 rounds. He's been playing pretty good golf. So I do like KH Lee. So play all the Koreans this week. That's what I'm saying. Um, other guys I do like in this range, I like Sebastian Munoz. He's been playing pretty good golf here recently. Stats are lining up with the recent, like, top last 12 rounds. He's been exceptionally solid. Uh, just looking at uh, his the last 12 rounds. Let me bring this up here. Sorry, guys. So he's played, um, you know, in the last three events, he's sixth in the field in my – he's six, ranked sixth in my model. Uh, top 20 in approaches. Top 20 in – um, putting second in DraftKings points, second in birdies or better gain. If you can keep that form going, uh, it would be nice. And at this price, you're not really risking too much. So uh, I do like Sebastian Munoz. Um, were you the one that told me that Barnrat puts better on so- slower greens? Yes. Or was it faster green? It was slower greens, right? No, he's better. Uh, yeah, from and again, I had no stat I told him, but I said any time I've ever seen this dude on slow greens, he's just such a slow-moving creature that it just feels right <laughs> to him, and he definitely puts better yeah. on slow-moving greens. He's also a Bubba best friend, right, driving Lambos over yeah. in Highland and shit, so it might have some connection yeah. with Bubba here too, but yeah, he's better on slow greens. He's also first in proximity from 150 to 175 yards in the last 12 rounds in this field. So his wedge game has been good. I'll throw a flyer 10% on Barnrat um, here. Uh, who do you like? Not him, but that makes me think now. Uh, I'll, I'll get a little more punishment from Lucas Glover at $7,500. He just screwed everybody. Oh, oh I was hold on. Before we talk about Lucas Glover, one thing I will say about him, I thought about him, but the reason I'm not playing him was – um, when I was down at the Players' Championship and met up with the Tour Junkies, those guys told me that they heard from his people that he hates the players. He hates that course. And that's another Pete Dye course. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be the same type of feeling he has at TPC River Highlands. But if he doesn't like the players, if he doesn't like if he doesn't like Sawgrass, uh, you know, a Pete Dye course, maybe it's not the best bet to play him. Now, go ahead and play him. I'm not saying against him, but for me, that's yeah, I mean, I'm he likes playing golf, though, right? Like, I, I like the burgers at McDonald's, but not at Burger King, but, <laughs> but I'm still going to eat a burger today. So <laughs> they still make burgers, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the same sort of thing. I'll, I'll play Lucas Glover. Yeah. I'm hoping people are off of him. I don't expect him to go light the world on fire, but I think he still suits well for this course. And I think at 7,500, uh, you know, it's it's not – you look at the jump with Ches Reeve, like 6,900 up to 8,400. It's due to his result too, I understand, obviously. But if you look at Lucas Glover, he barely moved. What was he, 7,200 last week and now he's 7,500? The field is not as difficult. This is a – this is a field that's full of names, and you mentioned earlier it's stronger than it's ever been. It's It's got a lot of the guys we like, a lot of DFS darlings, but uh, it's not as strong as last week's field. So at 7,500, I don't mind that. Uh, other guy, Abraham Answer, always look for an opportunity to get him at a course that you know isn't going to be as difficult where we can see him score. He's good in that par four range, strong with 125 to 150, really good off the tee. He's got to work on his approaches, but... He's not so bad, and he, and he does hit quite a few greens. So if we can get that out of him this week, he's a GPP only. Obviously, he's got a pop, but uh, if he does for us, you mentioned Sung Kang, love that play. Uh, Joel Dahman, the other guy here. And then the only other guy I really had marked up down here was um, Mackenzie Hughes. 
right? Got to go back to him. He, he's been playing a little bit better lately, and he seems like a down price at just 7,100, 14th at the Canadian Open, 8th at the Charles Schwab, uh, gaining strokes on approach, gaining strokes in every category at both those tournaments, the last two times out at just $7,100. Uh, got a little Canadian thing going on there, too, with Mackenzie Hughes. All right, so let's get into the 6K range. I'm going to go with my favorite play to start in the 6K range. It's not even close. I think he's grossly uh, mispriced. It's going to be Cameron Tringali at $6,700. Uh, they've been playing exceptional golf here recently, hitting a ton of greens. I am exceptionally strong. Um, he's shot 64 and 65 here on this course in the past. I think he has four top 25s in his last five events played, if you count the uh, the team competition at Zurich. Uh, I think he's grossly mispriced. He's gained 5.3 strokes through his approaches the last time he played um, at the uh, RBC Canadian, 2.1 strokes at the Byron Nelson. Uh, now, he missed the cut at Wells Fargo, but he gained almost five strokes on approaches at the Valero as well. So I do like Tringali. He's my favorite play in this 6K range. It's not even close. I'm going to have more than I normally have of a guy at, in a 6K range with him. Other guys I do like in this range. Peter Malnati, said, Malnati says that this is his favorite course to play. He's had some good form here recently. I'll take the bite at $6,900. Uh, I'll play Colin Morikawa at $6,900. I'd rather play him at $6,900 than Victor Hovland at $7,800. Uh, you know, made three of his four cuts on tour with a 14th place a few weeks back. Um, I don't remember. Was it Canada? It might have been Canada or something like that. Uh, the guy's been number one in the world, uh, amateur player in the world. Hovland hasn't, even though it doesn't really matter that much. But, you know, Hovland was career number two uh, amateur. But Morikawa has been number one am in the world before. I do will play him. Um, other guys in this range that I do like, um, uh, Alex Prue. I still can't pronounce his name. Pru. Uh, you know, he saved he saved me last week uh, with his good outing on Sunday. I had him uh, as my cheapest guy at $6,100 on Showdown on Sunday, and he led me uh, to that Showdown GPP. Uh, he's been playing decent golf here recently, so I'll play a little bit of him. Uh, Sean Stefani, uh, another guy that I'm going to play in this lower 6K range. Who do you like in this range? Not very many guys. You took most of them, and the thought on Morikawa to start is the exact same thought that I had. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I still think I'm going to have to have some Victor just because of how well he played last week and, uh, you know, use him as a little bit of a pivot off Grillo there where I think now, like you said, Grillo is going to be one of the higher owned in the field. Um, but Morikawa, as like you said, he's got three solid results in a row now. Uh, he's got his own stuff going on. So for a thousand bucks less than Victor, it's definitely not a bad play. Uh, Malnati, I didn't even know about that being his favorite course. I didn't see that one anywhere, but already liked him for his recent results, uh, long-term form, and and then a little bit of his you know putting as well. He's a decent putter, so uh, not saying that that's a, the relative stat. More so that if you, I'd rather take it as a tiebreaker over something else if a guy is a decent putter. So like him as well. The other guy I liked here was Peter Uline. Uh, putting it together a little bit. He's gained strokes on approach in his last four events with a, a top 10 in there at one of them. I think it was the Schwab. Uh, and only thing really with him is a little bit of off the tee. And here, like we saw, you can, you can get it a little bit out there and not have to worry. I think it was a, yeah, fifth at the Nelson and a 13th at the Schwab and then a 44th at the Canadian Open. So at 7K, always got a little bit of upside there with him. Good for GPPs. You mentioned Tringali, who I liked. Uh, Hank Leviota. The other guy with like the him. recent form, he, he's right like there him. too with Tringali. So, so he'd be the other guy down here. And after that, it really tapers off. Uh, Got to see if it's going to be super high scoring, though, you know, super low scoring. There's not much else I really like down here at all. I kind of liked Ryan Armour 
Um, and then saw the weather report and, you know, like you said, it looks like 15 under or that type of score or better. So uh, don't know if he's going to be able to keep up with that, but he pops for, you know, approach greens, par four, four yeah, shorter course, yeah. you know, that sort yeah. of thing. But uh, honestly, man, I told you at the start, this is the exact reason why I'm talking about staying balanced with your lineups. And, you know, I'm okay with starting with JT Casey in my lineup this week. I'll, I'll be starting a lot of my lineups with two guys in the 9K range. There'll be some lineups where I use three guys in the 9K range and drop down to the low 7K uh, and some of this high 6K. Because I do like some of these guys up here in this high 6K range. Uh, I know you aren't the biggest fan, but I'll play a little bit of Jonas Blix as well. Um, I'll play uh, Lahiri in the recent interview said his game is close. Whatever that means, I'll throw a little bit on him, even though because he'll have no ownership. Yeah, what, what's so the, I, what's um, the other thing about Lahiri? I was going to say I got him here just one second, but he, I think he's got uh, good history here as well. Two two years of history here. Did you I, look? I didn't at even his, look. I didn't his, even look at his course history. Sometimes I don't even look at course history for a lot of these guys. Uh, I'll use it just to look at it. See, yeah, ninth and seventeenth in the last yeah. two years here. So he, he does like this course a little bit too. So he was one guy that you mentioned that I, I saw there as well. That popped out a little bit and he has been uh you know known to have a little bit of upside here and there that you, you don't expect. So I can I can feel that one as well. Yeah, I'll be so I mean yeah I'll definitely be playing some of these guys in this upper six games. Once you get to the lower six games six K range there's probably nobody. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to play anyone under 6,500. Uh, but you don't have to if you're going uber balanced, uh, which is what I'm mostly going to do. I'm going to go very light in the 10K and up range. I'll play a little bit of Canley. I'll play a little bit of Molinari. But it's going to be heavy on that 9K range, and that's where I'm going to start everything this week. All right, anything else? That's all, my friend. Take us away to the betting segment there, Tampa. For sure. Betting segment, guys, sponsored by betql.co. They've actually got a whole new website. If you check it out, go over there. It's uh, really been reestablished, and it's got everything broken down based on betting, daily fantasy, season long, uh, lots of different sports being covered with MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, getting ready for all that, and then some of the college sports. Uh, But main thing is we're focused on the betting app, so you can download the web app for Apple, Android, or for iPhone. Uh, Essentially looking at a few things. You're looking at the value bets of the week, uh, mispriced lines, uh, money movement, where the edge is, and, so, and the value bets are sort of ones that you can go off of and be able to exploit and go from there. So betql.co, check it out, guys. With that said, Kenny, uh, looking at a few things here, I told you I upped my card a little bit from the normal, just ones that really stood out that I liked. So uh, Morikawa, we mentioned, start from long shots down. So 175 with the each way. Uh, didn't mind that at all, especially when I saw Hovland it was at like 66 or 65 or something. So uh, again, just taking the extra points and, and hoping something comes of it. Uh, Benny Ann at 75 with the each way. Emiliano yeah, Grillo Benny Ann, at you, 70. You got, Benny at, you got Benny Ann at 75? Damn, I need that. He's First thing this too. morning, it, 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 it didn't look right. What do you got him at just before we go? I got him at 50. I got him at 50. And I'm going to put I'm Okay, yeah, I really like him at 50. 75. And with the each yeah. way, it just makes it that much easier for me. So uh, Grillo at 70 was the same price as Hovland, just like it's funny how they came out on DK at the same price. I did this way before the pricing came out. This was first thing this morning, but I liked it at 70 as just a I, – I talked about this once before. There's no there's no pivoting because it's it's betting. I get that. It's not the same thing. But yesterday with Woodland, how, how often do we get those community wins? So when everyone's on the set, you know, last week a lot of people were on JT. And he yeah, doesn't even make the yourself, cut. Dog. So speak for yourself, dog. 
speak for yourself. I did not have anyone yeah. that, that should piss me off. Right, I know, ahead. I know, I know. I'm just saying it's, it's rare to see that happen. That was awesome that the whole community hit it. And I love days like that, especially on a long shot. Uh, I wasn't in on the original Willet bet back at the Masters, so it felt good to hit the to hit the woodland. Uh, rounding it out, I got Finau at 35. Uh, just thinking about, like I said, the the upside of this track. I liked him as a pivot over uh, Bubba since then, but but I was already liking him because of that in the morning when I was betting it. So, uh, and then lastly, I'm going back to the JT. Well, uh, JT at twenty. I, I don't know. I like it. 20, 20 to one. I normally don't bet these guys that are, are shorter like this, but at twenty to one, it still feels decent with an actual guy with upside. We talked a couple weeks ago about someone. I forget who it was, and I said, you know what? If they hit at twenty to one or twenty five to one, I'm okay missing it. But this is one at 20 to 1. I feel like he's got the upside to win here, no problem. So I like that. What do you got this week on your card, Kenny? Yeah, I got two short odds, two medium odds, and two long odds. I'm with you on the JT 20 to 1. I'm in on that. Uh, I got Fleetwood at 28 to 1. I know first time player hasn't won here, but I feel like this course suits him, and I think he can do well. So I, I got Fleetwood. Uh, then I got the two Koreans, Benny On at 50 to 1, and Sung JM at 50 to 1. And then my long shots are going to be Malnati at 151 and Tringali at 175 to one with a top 10, top 20 bet as well for both of them. I think he does well this week. That number seems wild to me because of the way he's been playing and he's taken this course down before. I mean, he shot 64, he shot 65, he's finished in the 15th place here. Uh, I'm, I'm doing that. 175 seems crazy. So I got Tringali at 175 to one. All right, one and done. I think we already got, went over. Who'd you say it was again? I got Bryson. I, I got, I got Bryson Bubba. this week. I actually didn't look if I had Bubba because you made a good point there as a bit of a hedge, but uh, I'm going to roll Bryson. I got Bubba. That's what I'm going with. One and done. Hopefully he leads me uh, to the promised land. We'll see how it goes because I'm trying to win that big money on that on that one and done on Gup's Corner. All right, Tampa, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, gupscorner.com. Kenny mentioned last, uh, you know, last week for the extension of the promo, we, we want to do it because we want everyone to have a chance to get into the open. If you get in on a one month right now, it's like $11 and change. You'll have it for the month. You'll get all the way through to the open. The annual will wrap through the entire NFL season, obviously, to now. So that'd be a huge deal for you before uh, the code goes away. And then the other big thing with that is that uh, the ones that currently got it last week, and there was a lot of you, again, thank you, uh, you guys already will auto-renew at the 25% off discount. So you're not going to miss out on the open as long as you leave it on so that it auto-renews. Other than that, find me over on Twitter, at Totag and Tambo. Uh, lots of stuff posted there. If I post another package for Steak Kings or anything like that, you guys are going to want to check it out. Find me on Twitter. Other than that, let's have a good week. Kenny, where can they find you at? You know, Twitter, at KendoVT. I put out some crazy stats there that sometimes are relevant, sometimes are not. <laughs> and then you can find my article on PowerHourPod.com. All right, guys. Good luck this week. Let's win some motherfucking money, DJ Nation. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, healthcare, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced Sunrise Batch Coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. 
and even after that. Because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.